0: Welcome investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a little commentary on that. So working it from a different vein and coming out of this about three and a half years retirement. And then I was very blessed at the end of my career as they would let me run amok with the evidence response team. And I, I was had an incredible team. They were just very hungry. And we would go out and take these old cases and companion cases with the PDs and start tearing, a, tearing them apart forensically. So the phenomena, as I saw with the, with this kind of this anti-police sort of mindset and this lessening of um of immunity over here the the police are somewhat afraid the detectives are afraid so they rely on technology so it goes into the lab and they wait passively for that to come back out and they're afraid to get in somebody's face and stomp on them and you know the, there's mistakes made, I mean, Chris Tap made a confession, uh, you know exoneration, great exoneration that happened over here, but ultimately he confessed now we can argue all day about wh- what happened on the confession, how long they they leaned on them and, and what they're going to allow us that's, that's a court decision and everything else, but in that same vein, you know, like you said, you have to have those people and have to have those strategic interviews, but over time, and let me inject this I, I tell him Everybody who comes to me, and I talk to the forensic types mostly, and I do a little bit of training for them as well to prep for that that IAI certification test, which is brutal. I put it somewhere being beneath, like maybe paramedic, but certainly above that hundred hundred some odd hour EMS. That's the level of expertise there, and and literally, if you're not working forensics, it would be you would be really hard pressed to pass that test because it's so complex. So I said, you guys are the ambassadors. You have got to take and give that information delivered to the detectives because they're the guys who come from the ranks and they're on par with the chiefs. It's not going to come through the forensic people, but you've got to take that and transmit it for usable information to them so they understand that sitting in the in the um, evidence locker is could be very good information that can solve that. And if you sit passively away for a detective to tell you, they're not going to have the knowledge that you have about blood stain patterns, about certainly DNA. I mean we could Go all day long, I said. Additionally, if you go pre, 1970s, the law really didn't allow for retention of a lot of this stuff. Court records, right. yes, but some it gets lost, man. So get past that. If it's gone, it's gone. And if you had it possible out there, you're going to get. And I think Joe, when I eventually read your book, people's al- allegiance and alliances changes sides, especially former girlfriends and ex spouses, because they're either terrified, right, and get them out of there and get them talking. And what I found with a lot of them is there's just like, well, the police wanted to come talk to me. They knew where I was at all these years. And I have to explain to. Some folks in out in L.A. and the film producers, I said there is not a murder board behind you like Homicide Life on the Street where they have it and they're reviewing. And they go, how, "How about this one from 1978? Doesn't exist. Forget it. They don't even know it happened." And and Joe, we're old enough to remember. You had to log long distance phone calls um, yeah. when we came on. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. how good are you possibly going to be? You know, so get past that. Tear that evidence bin open. Look who's changed sides or who was potentially it. And another, you know, as long as I got my hand on the throttle again. I called an agent uh, on a pretty pretty prominent case. He's 85 years old, made his year to call him about it. I said, and there was no success to it. I said, did you ever have an inkling of who did it? He said, unfortunately, no, but I remember it like yesterday. But if he said we knew was the blank, the boyfriend, the ex-husband or something, we just couldn't put it down. Man, that supercharges it. And you just go get that DNA and you're on your way. So so many of these things are just low hanging fruit. Um, like you said, just roll it out. Yeah. You can tell I got a bit of a passion for this as well. So, um, yeah, and other people will bring back things to the equation or our gumbo, right? Our cold case combo. And soon you're like, oh yeah, we corroborated that example. Uh, before I shut up here, I'm going to bet you. So the Lindsay Wade example is like getting Ted Bundy's DNA into Mm -hmm. CODIS. Yes. You're kidding me, right? But I'm sitting here saying we had John Brennan Crutchley right near here, the vampire rapist, and Christopher Wilder came through here. He actually murdered a classmate of my, my wife's from this area right here. And then down in South Florida, I knew somebody who was, who was murdered by him as well. Small world, right? Um, but just those two alone, I think he was Tallahassee where I went to school. All those connections, probably not in CODIS at all. You know, I mean, his ex, he died in a gun battle, but Brennan Crutchley died in prison, so I'll bet you— his DNA is not out there. And you're talking about that's probably low hanging fruit clearances alone right there. And we're, you know, arguing over lab budgets and stuff. It's absurd. So, right there with you. Yeah. And, and turn so, it back over. Here.
1: Yeah. No. And, and I, I'll tell you, you know, the when we put together or when our group at NCIS, we put together a checklist, right? So, the first thing is get the case organized, right? Have you got everything that exists? And the very second step is to go to the evidence locker go to the property room and is the evidence there right and not only go there and believe the documentation that you have in the file whether that be evidence custody documents yeah, yeah. or a chain of custody or whatever but physically review it right and what does that look like oh wow and now because we you know is it still in the box because you're as you alluded to earlier some of these old cases Shoot, there You know, evidence is lost. Evidence is destroyed. Evidence, you know, perishes in a fire at a sheriff's department. I mean, there's a a hundred reasons, but I agree with you. and And I think what surprises me so much, Tom, is, you know, having been intimately, you know, on the start of a cold case unit in 95 and to look, you know, 30 some years later now that we are still walking through evidence lockers looking for the old evidence. And I'm like you, it's low hanging fruit. It's like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, DNA has gotten a lot better. I mean, let us if you go back to some of the original DNA that we use in this country, RFLP, that never got into CODIS, right? That extraction and amplification method was never even in CODIS. And if you think about CODIS went online about 98. I remember working with Jennifer Lindsay at your lab at the FBI. You know, think of all some of those people are now being released, right, for murders, you know, convicted in the late 90s. Now they're out and people are going, why is this DNA not? Well, maybe it was a convicted maybe it was an arrestee state, convicted offender state, It never it never got uploaded. But I will say this, you know, I think I do think IgG is the future of cold case. Um a lot of people, you know, have that feeling as well. I think that's where it's going. And 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 to your point, technology, you know, is is really the game changer today. And you you said it, not me. So I just want to jump on it. There, this defund the police movement. This, you know, officers are very risk averse, right? Detectives are more risk averse because of things that that you could do years ago is is prohibited today, right? And and the the, the feeling of of detectives in general is not what it used to be in terms of just bystander behavior on a hot homicide today. You know, folks won't even open their door for a neighborhood canvas. You know, and so you've got to rely on some of these, some of these things, but the book talks about, you know, what, what in technology, you know, what I think is, you know, for some detectives is just, which comes secondhand to you, Tom, you pick up a lab report here. You see, it's a partial profile, primary contributor, right? Mixed stain. These things jump out right at you. And I applaud you for encouraging all those CSIs, right. And those forensic folks, whether they're, you know, from a, from a, you know, an official capacity or not, because that's one of the challenges right now with the detectives working the case is they don't have that thorough forensic background, even in simple things like blood stain pattern analysis, like you said. So it's a critical part, right? The The folks doing the crime scenes for sure. And the follow-up forensics and then depending on where you're at in the country, you know, criminalistics is much better on, you know, say in California than it is here in North Carolina. Uh, some CSI units in the South, it's more of a collateral duty. Many of those positions are non-sworn, right? So they don't have the status or the stature in their departments as the sworn personnel. And I'm always encouraging the detectives, look, you have to trust the crime scene. You have to trust, trust the people because they have knowledge you don't have. I mean, we have one of our departments here in North Carolina. It's the city of Durham extremely well-qualified crime scene techs, most of them. And most of these young guys and gals, have, or they have advanced forensic degrees, whether it's George Washington University or another forensics program. And so they're bringing right out of the gate, you know, they might only be 22 or 23 years old of age, but, man, they have great depth with, you know, how forensics work. And, you know, that, that some of your, just, your common detectives don't have that knowledge.
0: That same kind of mindset, what we're talking about is that you're detaining somebody on the scene, and I, I use the example of bloodstain pattern and I'm going, why are you letting this guy go? I mean if there's a void where blood should be that's the easy one, but even even just a, a and the and if you get IAI certified, you'll know a bit of bloodstain pattern. I mean the scene should make sense to you, so getting those detectives to mesh up with it and then they rely on the lab and it's, just, it's an unfortunate thing is the, the passivity it's hard to get people into detective bureaus because they don't want to get sued. They really don't want to deal with it. And why would you do? And so some of the contacts I have, I talked to them. I said, how, how is it like these days? And they're like, well, we're not even doing traffic stops. Why? I don't want to complain against me because I'm going to be you know tied up with that and everything else. And I'm going, okay, we got to get back to that. I mean, I know it's cyclical, pretty, you know, predates me a little bit, but 68, I, I, I What I've read about was very passive and things changed again. And I think things are going to change again. There's got to be some kind of exemption for the police to do that. But I do think that a checklist on how to work through this is going to be very helpful, a roadmap. And they use that, by the way, in bloodstain pattern, created as a roadmap of what this stain is and everything else. So it can't be that far away from it. You know, it's if we can get politics removed from it, we might move someplace. But in the meantime, this ad hoc uh, using these these good tools for us and getting those technicians to become to become apostles of carrying that message that that message forward. Example: As long as I'm rambling on here, <laughs> is we had a school shooting and it, it was handled well. We was in the middle of a blizzard. We responded down to it, and the whole government and everything was closed. And here we are moving through the snow, and this unfortunate school shooting took place and afterwards i was i was able to get a pharaoh scanner after that that changed things but we need other crime scene units because we don't scan the scene we're just degrading that scene we're not getting stuff we're not sitting we're sitting on evidence and it was a very slow process so we borrowed something from the military we had some guys Comcam, the um combat cameraman, come over and and do some work with us well they do very effective sensitive site exploitation they know what it means, and this is Jared and us from Ranger School, you don't sit on intelligence, which is kind of lost to the police department. Now, the detectives do that really well, but a a 24-hour turnaround on something, you could do it right then, you know, and the good detectives do. They're looking right at the casing and seeing the imprint, impact mark from the primer, and they know they're looking at you know, they're, they're looking at a Glock right away. The good ones will, but we could do a better job at that. You know, to get that turnaround because it's sitting in there. That's something we borrowed from them, and I think that's that's something we can do better at. We can do better at, and the way we carry that message forward is by those forensic pros, because, like you said, they're so good. They're coming out with master's degrees from. From this, the universities, and they can literally use—they're they, literally using the same books for the IAI certification. So they practically have it memorized when they come to the the, the test prep on this. And I'm astounded how good they are compared to when I uh, went up to the Baltimore, DC area, and they're, they're fantastically well trained. So my point about that, if I can summarize it, was I had a talk with the boss, and I said, "Sir, ma'am, I cannot sit back passively when we have an active shooter," and then decisions are being made as this is an evolving crime scene. I can remember the it was a pretty it was a prison takeover and they were brutalizing these guards. Well, if I had been there and I explained this to him, I had been there. I could have told you what we need is evidence over there. I just I don't need another responsibility or a title or anything like that. But I need to be in your back pocket and, and advising that so we can get to these forensic types and they become forensic advisors as that case progresses. You're going to make a good inroad to do it, and I, I, I'm thinking of Montgomery County did a great job on on that. One of the, I'm, I'm speaking to the Lion Sisters uh, case out of there, mm-hmm. and they had them right involved with that. It was very impressive, and, and what a difference when you see that happen. So I think we're getting to that. That's the way we're going to offset that passivity. That's that's well deserved. is from because this is such a cautious environment right now. So if we can speed up the forensics, I think we can offset and mitigate that, that deleterious effect that's coming from them their inability to go out and interview people. But if you're making good, solid decisions, I think you can offset that quite a bit. And, and then it builds confidence and everybody's relying on those good forensic processes and what they see. You can't, you can't refute blood pattern spatter. You can't refute trajectory analysis on, on a car. You know, and, and the faster you move that along and the faster you make that unlab uh what's uh unscientific then then you're moving very very quick i guess that 48 hour period you know the first 48 right hey joe
1: one of the things that we're doing here at least with some of our training i'm also involved with a group where we do some of the advanced training in north carolina and simple dow rods that you buy at a home depot right and for trajectory analysis you've seen this yeah right the the cars you know it's a drive-by there's five shots in the car Hey, and and you got witnesses telling you they were at a certain place, just sticking a dowel rod in the and the bullet hole gives you, you know, just a little bit of an idea from a detective standpoint. But one thing I think you might find interesting is that our coalition, we have a number of crime scene techs involved with our group, so they They don't don't have any sworn right experience. It's all just from processing scenes. And, you know, as you know, they can look at a scene very differently because of their expertise and, we, and that's been very helpful, particularly in the blood bloodstain pattern analysis world, you know, directionality of blood. Hey, you know, your victim's sitting here, your suspect's here. It looks like he was hit four times, you know, based on the impact and the cast off, right? And, and the detective's looking at it like, what is this? And But they're able to at least bring that, you know, some of those thought processes to the table. So I just wanted you to be aware of that. I don't yeah. know if, if you've seen that in other areas or, or not. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.